Here in the Bay Area, we're all rooting for the Warriors, who are duking it out against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. The Bay Area is crawling with fans eager to get a courtside seat. But come the end of the month, neither the Bay Area nor Cleveland will be the go-to locations. Philadelphia is going to be swarming with educators from all over the world for an event that's sure to rival the numbers of NBA final watchers out there. That's right, listeners, we're talking about ISTE, the largest edtech event for educators, and for many entrepreneurs as well, in the country. Lucky for us, last year's keynote, Adam Bello, stopped by our office to give us his recommendations and play-by-plays for making the most out of this year's ISTE conference, which takes place at the end of June. So welcome to the EdSearch podcast for the week of June 1st through June 5th. We'll move into our ISTE deep dive in a minute, but first, the news. When receiving tutoring or completing homework, kids can get tripped up by those small, straightforward questions. You know, the ones that would take a teacher literally 10 seconds to clarify. Well, one Dallas educator brought that concern to Ed Surge's Because You Asked corner, which is sort of like our version of Dear Abby, and we've heeded the call. Try out one of these three EdTech strategies for helping kids get those quick answers. First, try using a communication-based tool like Remind or Google Voice. Second, try setting up a public forum on Edmodo where other students can answer those small questions. Or, and this is my favorite, Record your lessons or quick demos for your students to go back to and check later. It's sort of like going by the phrase of the best offense is a good defense. What's next for Jim Shelton, former deputy secretary at the U.S. Department of Education, working as chief impact officer at 2U? In an EdSurge exclusive, Jim explains why he believes 2U's mission is important and also shares his thoughts on the future of online higher ed. And for me, this isn't just an interesting look into the future of 2U. It's also a great framework for evaluating any job move. He asks questions like, is the company important? Is this a good business opportunity? Is it aligned with how I want to live my life? You can read the full letter on edsurge.com. Can app developers assess for student mastery within digital content and skip those nasty follow-up tests? San Francisco-based edtech company MotionMath has been trying to crack that puzzle with help from a $1 million Gates Foundation grant. CEO Jacob Klein talked to EdSurge about MotionMath's insights, including how the phrasing of a question can really affect student effort. Elon Musk revealed in an interview with Beijing Television this week that he has started a small, secretive school for his kids and a few other children of employees at his company, SpaceX. Named Ad Astra, that's Latin for to the stars, the one-year-old school has no grade levels and currently no website, and operates on the principle that it's important to teach to the problem, not to the tool. Educators and entrepreneurs, are you overwhelmed by the complete bounty of EdTech conferences out there? We can't blame you, but we can help. EdSearch put together a nifty infographic on all the conferences you have to know about. Check it out and download it for free from edsearch.com. Put it up on your wall right away. It's a beautiful poster. And lastly, time for our weekly kachings. Applex Learning Systems, which operates online curricula site Merit Nation, raised $4 million from InfoEdge. Tinker Garden, a marketplace offering outdoor play-based learning classes, raised $500,000 in a seed round from Brooklyn Bridge Ventures, Structure Capital, John Katzman, and Don Katz. 
and online learning marketplace Udemy raised $65 million in a Series D round led by Stripes Group. Existing investors Northwest Venture Partners and Inside Venture Partners also participated. With this round, Udemy has passed the $100 million VC mark. For more on Udemy's plans for worldwide expansion, starting in Japan, and CEO Dennis Yang's thoughts on LinkedIn's $1.5 billion acquisition of a Udemy competitor, head over to edsurge.com. Okay, now on to this week's deep dive. We have now begun the month of June, and as veterans of the edtech space know very well, that means that one of the biggest edtech events of the year is right around the corner. Yep, that would be our EdSurge Boston Summit next weekend. Uh, Coming right up. It's next weekend in Boston. Kind of not really. That's close, Michael. But I actually meant ISTE. We're excited about the Boston Summit, but the one I'm referring to is ISTE, which stands for the International Society for Technology and Education. And by any metric, it is an absolutely enormous conference. From June 28th through July 1st, more than 14,000 educators, potentially more, will assemble in Philadelphia to network and learn about the latest trends and tools in the world of ed tech. And they'll be joined, according to the ISTE website, by over 500 companies, represented by 4,500 people. Right. And uh, Mary Jo, you and I will both be attending ISTE this year, mm-hmm. along with some of our other EdSurge colleagues. How many times have you been? Uh, this is actually going to be my second time. Okay, so you are a veteran. Mm, <laughs> I, a little bit. I am going to my first ISTE conference this year, and you know I've been reading through the program and checking out the website, and i got to say that I am totally completely 100% overwhelmed by the amount of activities offered and panels to check out and and basically just the number of choices I'm going to have to make when I get out to Philadelphia. I remember that feeling fairly well. Um, And honestly, even if you have been before, it's easy to get overwhelmed. I feel that way now. But to help us both out, there will be no shortage of ISTE guides coming out in the next few weeks, including one from EdSurge, which will offer advice on where to go and who to see. But anybody can just put out a guide. And we wanted to hear from someone who is truly an ISTE expert, someone who can be the Virgil to our poor lost Dante. And hey, luckily for us, one was available. How many times have you actually attended? I think this is year seven or eight. So you are probably an ISTE expert. Would you consider yourself that? An aficionado. That is the voice of Adam Bello. Adam is actually selling himself a little short here because he's not just an ISTE aficionado. He was also the keynote of the conference last year, which is a pretty big deal. He's currently the CEO of EdTech company EduClipper and was a teacher for many years. You yourself were an educator for how many years? Uh, I taught high school English for six years and then worked as a teacher on special assignment, uh, technology training specialist for three years. Okay, so wow, almost 10 years. And then tech director for two and a half years. So you were an overachiever, first and foremost. Uh, The best kind. Oh, (laughs) hardly. I... uh, I, I hopped around, and I, I feel like I've seen education from all sides of the classroom, whether it be the front of the room or the office or wherever it may be. All right, so Adam is experienced, and he's knowledgeable. He is the perfect Virgil in this situation. Right, and we started our interview by asking Adam, okay, what do you expect to see at this year's ISTE? big trend this year, I think, is going to be the makerspace. I know I've seen, you know, the last few years it's been a big trend, and I think this year it's really the year that people are going to be sharing what they've done with it in their schools. Um, I've seen a lot of really great library media specialists starting to make their own makerspaces. Um, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot of room for people to share ideas and also to kind of inspire other teachers to, to do the same for their schools. That's awesome. I love hearing stories of making and makerspace in the classroom. And 
you know, if the excitement around the maker guide that we published last week is any indication, lots of other people like hearing about those stories too. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense that we'd see that at ISTE. But Adam didn't just actually call out the maker movement. He also called out coding as the other big trend he's expecting to see this year. I think coding is going to be another one. Um, you know, with Hour of Code from the last two years being a real resurgence of learning how to code, I think that there's lots of tools that'll be shared, but I think it's also about the idea, the, the ideology that students can create their own games and apps and tools that are valid as opposed to just, you know, a, a mindless exercise there. And do you think that that's going to come into play with specific tools? People are going to want to suggest specific tools or more along the lines of how you actually can teach kids to code? Well, I hope it's both. I mean, I know we're going to get a lot of tool sharing because that's just traditionally what ISTE will tend to be. And, I, and I've, you know, done this myself, which is great because you need to have tools as well. But I think that the pedagogy and really talking about how they've been implemented in the school and how coding becomes part of a language arts curriculum or a culture in a district is really what I'm most interested in because the tools, you know, constantly evolving, constantly getting new new crops of tools, which is great, but it's most important to figure out how it'll make a difference in the lives of kids. Okay, so let me stop Adam there for a sec. I, I love Maker, I love coding. I think we can all agree that those are important trends to discuss at a big conference, but hasn't that been done already? And neither coding nor Maker is a big shiny new trend like I was expecting would be discussed at the biggest ed tech conference in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Well, it is true that, you know, making and coding are not new topics, but they're not that old either. Uh, it's good to remember that a lot of tools and pedagogies for Maker activities uh, or for teaching code are still relatively new in the last couple of years. And a lot of the discussion about these two areas in the past couple of years has been about the tools specifically and about whether they're good areas for students to be learning. But now it's implementation. We're starting to get to the point where teachers can talk about how best to implement those tools in the classroom. Ah, got it. Okay, so, so a teacher who learned about a new coding tool last year at ISTE might now be reporting back on exactly how she's been using it in the classroom. Exactly. And as Adam mentioned in his thoughts on implementation, the sharing of how these concepts play out in practice isn't just relevant for maker and coding, but for other areas as well. Um, so not to, not to harp on the making, but I think that there's really a lot of implementation that's happening there, mm -hmm. um, which is exciting. And yeah, I mean, I think that the, and, and to go back on coding as well, it's, it's more putting it into practice. So there's lots of tools that talk about parent communication and social media, but I think we've seen social media we've seen for the last couple of years, mm -hmm. how to build a social presence and how to brand your school and stuff like that. But I think we're kind of moving beyond that into what it will actually do to the benefit of the students. And this is really exciting because as a former teacher myself, it's one thing to hear about the promise of an idea or play with a tool, but it's an entirely another thing uh, completely to hear from fellow educators who have been using the tool for a while and to learn from their experiences. You know, they're the experts. I'm also excited to hear about some of these ideas and how they've been implemented and to find out what that means for teachers in the coming year. Yeah, me too. And, you know, getting back to my sense of being overwhelmed by all of these sessions, Adam actually spoke to that, I thought, really well. In the span of about 20 seconds, he mentions four really interesting trends in school. Makerspaces, coding tools, using social media in the classroom, and parent communication apps. How do you sort through all of those topics and choose just a few sessions to go to? Yeah, I can feel the anxiety coming off of you, Michael. It's, uh, it's like radiating. Yeah. Well, luckily, Adam, for us, had some tips for selecting your sessions as well. 
so ISTE is one of those places where, you know, there are 10 presentations I want to go to at each block. <laughs> of course. So it's really hard to pick and choose. I mean, I, I'm friends with a lot of wonderful presenters, and I know that they're presenting new ideas and themes. Uh, however, there's also lots of new presenters. So I think it, this is not necessarily a recommendation, but I think it's a, a advice to those people looking to make a schedule. I would definitely pick people that you are, are you know, interested in hearing from, but also go by topic. Mm. There are some people that only go to like the names that they've heard, and I would much prefer to, to sit in on a session where it's about something I'm passionate or interested in, mm -hmm. uh, especially if it's a new person, it's a new idea, it's a, a new presentation style, it's a, a new school of thought. So... Be open-minded. In terms of myself, I mean, I've been looking at their schedule. There's lots of good stuff on making. There's some PBL stuff I'm looking to go to. Um, and, and new presentations and new ideas shared from presenters that are both old and new. Ah, okay. I feel better already. That is, uh, that's solid advice. Well, he said it himself. He's an aficionado, so, <laughs> yeah. Mary Jo, how do you pick ISTE sessions to go to? How did you pick sessions last year? Well, what I typically do is I, first off, look for people who I'm really interested in hearing from. So Jamie Cassip is a great example. He's uh, the Google EDU evangelist is his official uh, title. And looking to those people that I really want to see in person, I think, is the first step that I use in choosing sessions. Um, but the other thing I also look for is how those sessions are actually run. It's funny because, you know, Adam's focusing on the subject matter, but I like looking for, is this something where I'm going to get my hands dirty? Do I get to interact with other people? Or is it more of a kind of sage on the stage type of idea where someone's just lecturing for 45 minutes, which mm -hmm. is not really my favorite type of session. <laughs> so for me, it's less about the actual subject matter itself and more about how the sessions are run. Because I love project-based learning, and so for me, the hands-on stuff is really what ends up being more effective in the long run. Awesome. So take a look at not just the topic, but also how it's being taught. Yes. That's, that's good advice from a teacher. Yep. <laughs> um, and before Adam left us, we had one more question for him. ISTE is famous, or uh, depending on who you talk to, maybe infamous, mm -hmm. for its cavernous vendor hall. And all throughout the conference, educators will be rubbing elbows with the people who build the current and next generation of EdTech tools. So we asked Adam, who, remember, has been both an educator and now an entrepreneur, what does it take to have a good discourse between educators and companies? Yeah, I think, I think that educators are the focus and students are the focus of what entrepreneurs are working on. Mm -hmm. I think that in you know at the end of the day you're not building software just to you know sell or to get investment you're building something for the need of a, of a student or a teacher or a parent or whoever the case may be and I think that that open dialogue is essential to creating stuff that is both quality but also that's needed um, there are lots of people that are developing things that are not necessarily focused or rooted in need mm -hmm. and or, or it's an assumed need and I think that getting a, a you know an active user base or, or people that really want to tell you what they need and we'll be able to test it and, and go through it with you is, is really important. So our challenge to all you educators listening today who will be at ISTE is when you take a walk through the vendor hall, remember that these are people who do need your help to build a successful product. And at the end of the day, it's up to you to help shape what that next generation of products looks like. And entrepreneurs, our challenge to you in the ISTE vendor hall is to remember that none of our products are perfect. Uh, God only knows that EdSurge products are not perfect. Uh, the educators walking through that hall, they're not just potential customers, they're also potential thought partners and givers of feedback. And who knows, they might wind up sparking the idea for your next big breakthrough. Okay, well, that's it for today. 
a huge, huge thank you to Adam Bello for coming in all the way from New York City and speaking with us. If you want to hear more from Adam, you can follow him on Twitter at Adam Bello. Or he will indeed be running around at ISTE, so see if you can catch him there. And if you want to see more about what he's been up to lately, head over to the EduClipper homepage, EduClipper.net. Some people are calling it the Pinterest for education, so for all of you Pinterest users out there, you'll probably see it and think this is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It's cool. And uh, hey, if you're an entrepreneur and you were intrigued by Adam's description of an open dialogue between companies and educators, he's basically describing our EdSurge summits. And as of this recording, Friday, June 5th, there are currently seven summits open for applications, including New Orleans, Toronto, Silicon Valley, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and a very special California Superintendent Summit in Davis, California. Head on over to edsurge.com summits for more information and to apply. And if you're an educator and you'd like to come to any of these events for free, head to that same address, edsurge.com summits. A big thank you to Jim Shelton, Michael Nagler, and all of the other writers who contributed to EdSurge this week. And a special thank you to Leslie Tyler of Edulastic, who told me last week how much she's enjoying the podcast. Thanks for listening, Leslie. We really appreciate it. And for all the rest of you out there, we really appreciate you listening and for reading all of the EdSurge content we put out. And we also want to hear from you, so contact us and let us know that you're alive out there. Shoot us an email at feedback at edsurge.com or tweet us at edsurge and make some noise. <laughs> All right. I'm Michael Winters. And I'm Mary Jo Mata. We'll see you next week. This is the EdSurge Podcast.